Welcome to the podcast, Life Lessons from Travels Off the Beaten Path. Hi, my name is Justine Murray, and I'm also known as Lighter Step Justine, as we strive to step lightly across the earth and only leave footprints. This podcast is about the life lessons I've learned as a traveler, particularly when I decided to step off the beaten path. Mostly this occurred in the non-digital era when there was no internet or mobile phones. My sometimes bizarre and always unforgettable adventures around the globe, often as a solo woman traveller, gave me great insight into living a fulfilled life, blessed with all my senses, to enjoy the wonders the world has to offer. From wildlife encounters, to midnight crashes, to dodging stalkers and trekking with tribes, to travelling with a child and around work commitments. I will entertain you with my stories and what each adventure has taught me, along with some general travel and life wisdom along the way. I also will be bringing in other travellers who can captivate us with their own travel stories and the life lessons they have learned. So tune in to me each week and let's get entertained with travel. So I'll start this episode, episode 14, with a quick recap on what happened in the last episode. And that was how we had actually had trouble with the brakes on the truck and the leader had super glued them to a point where the actual brakes failed and the truck ended up not being able to stop and the leader slash driver jumped out and um, one of the other passengers, Graham from New Zealand, climbed up and told us to jump clear. The truck crashed. We were very lucky it, it crashed into a, um, a sand embankment in a corner. Uh, I was standing on the roof. It was the middle of the night at 1am. And um, somehow I rode that standing on that roof. Uh, and uh, the guy beside me fell down and broke his ankle. And... And what happened in the morning was we had to wait till morning and then the French Foreign Legion came and took our wounded away and we had spent the whole day sitting by the truck until eventually some uh, nearby missionaries came and picked us up and they picked us up. We were allowed to bring our belongings, all our, our bags and our clothes, etc. And But we had to leave all our food behind, which was six months' supply of canned food, you know, rice uh, or, you know, cheese and all the things that were fairly processed and uh, were not perishable. We left them, they, they stayed with the truck and, and so um, we lost all that. Uh, and we ended up going to the missionary's place, which was a beautiful place. It was really after the all the drama and all the, the chaos and the, and the you know, the thinking about the unknown uh this was very peaceful and we spent about three days here and i remember uh walking around their gardens and just just feeling very lucky to be alive and uh, they had a library there and i went in there and i was looking at their books because i just love books and i found this absolutely amazing book on the migration patterns in Africa to how the tribes were 
were formed or influenced. So, you know, from the Bantu influence through West Africa, the uh, the effect of the Northern Arabs and how they affected the tribes uh, on the bottom of the Sahara, uh, how the Zulus, when they marched, how they affected uh, the tribes yeah, going up through East Africa. And it was just this, it was really old book and it was just so interesting. Uh, I really had an interest in how, you know, we, as we travel through Africa, when we saw all the different tribes, all the different languages, all the different cultures, and I was really fascinated with how, how these came to exist. And I'm really annoyed with myself looking back, you know, so many years later, why I didn't take note of the name of the book and the author, because uh, I really wanted that book. And, and of course, I couldn't, it was their book, I couldn't take it. Um, but I've never found it again. And, you know, we've got this great, uh, you know, access to information now on Google and, and the like. And I've tried to find those type of figures and information and you, you find a little bit, but it was nothing about this. This book was absolutely amazing. I haven't, still haven't found it. So if anyone out there knows the book I'm talking about, about the migration routes of the, the warring parties of, of African tribes and how they influence the uh, all the tribes through Africa. Uh, I would love to find that book. Uh, so after the three days, the, the missionaries couldn't really keep us. You know, there was, there was at least, I think it's about 20 people now. Um, so they managed to find us a ride to take us down to the nearest city and this happened to be um, Bangui which is the capital of Central African Republic and so we arrived in there and we were taken to a campsite in the middle of town on oh well not in the middle of town but on the outskirts of the town and we basically stayed there for three weeks waiting for a a lift and, and for, try to find out what, what was going to happen. Uh, now, the wounded that had been at the hospital were actually there at the campsite when we arrived. Uh, they had obviously been fixed. The, the driver slash leader had a broken leg. We found out, that's how we found out the, um, the guy, Colin, that was beside me, he had the broken foot and ankle. Uh, Graham, the New Zealander, had broken ribs and a dislocated shoulder. And the young girl, passenger, I can't remember her name. Uh, she, this starts with A, I know that. She also had some injuries, but uh, they weren't bad. And so they were waiting for a flight to, they were going to fly to another 
major city to fly back to London. So their African trip was over just like that, finished. They had to go back. They couldn't keep travelling. Uh, and we were in this unknown areas. We didn't know what was going to happen and how we're going to keep travelling because our truck was, was finished. Um, and so we sat in Bangui for, for three weeks. Now, generally, you do not sit in a in a village or a town in Africa for three weeks, especially a big group like this, because you obviously attract attention. And uh, the one thing about it is having habits. Uh, and this is this would relate to anywhere in the world. If you have a habit, it will be noticed. Um, we were at this campsite and this campsite had a, like most campsites in Africa, had a wall around it with um, razor wire and and, and uh, other things to stop people coming in or just sauntering in. Uh, and they also had guards. This was common as well to have guards. And these guards actually had uh, arrows, uh, bow and arrow to try and dissuade people from coming in that weren't supposed to be there. And we had all our tents uh, lined up along and I remember one day uh, I heard shouting and and everything and I and there was a lot of commotion that someone had climbed and got over the fence and actually gone to my tent and slit the back of my tent with a knife and reached in and grabbed one of my bags and of course the, the guard saw him and chased him uh, but he managed to get over the fence and away with my bag. So I was like, oh, God, what, you know, because I had everything in my, um, in, in the tent. So, because there was nowhere else to put them, there was no truck anymore. And so I went in to see what, <laughs> what had been stolen. And I realised that the, the poor thief had actually grabbed my toiletries bag. And so yeah, he'd got my toothbrush, my brush, uh, <laughs> my you know sunscreen you name it it was just a toiletries bag and I I actually felt sorry for him we went all that risk and potential of getting a um, arrow in him um and all he got was some uh, an, an old toothbrush and some toiletries which would you miss know, so again I was very lucky that that um I didn't lose much out of that. But most of the time I actually carried my cameras and that with me. I always had it with me in a, I had a, a ski bag and I used to just sling that over my shoulder. So it didn't actually look like a camera bag. You know, you, you carry a camera bag. It's really obvious that's a camera bag. And I just used to have this, this I just put my cameras in this bag that looked like just a bigger version of a bum bag. And that's what I carried. I just used to sling it over my shoulder. Uh, and another thing we used to do because we had to eat, so every day we would go to down to the markets to buy the perishables because, as you know, we couldn't keep them. And so we'd go and we'd buy some meat and we'd buy some uh, you know, vegetables, etc. Now, an African market is a sight to behold. It's just one of the most amazing places any any country you go to. And so they have rows of people and their product and all sitting or standing behind their product trying to sell to you. So every time you go past their bar, they say, come and buy from us and come, come, come. But they all sell the same thing. So each row, so you have a row, it's all meat. And 
this is just sitting on wooden tables and there's flies and there's dirt and they'll have you know the goat head and the the sheep head and all the entrails all the the vital organs and that were there then they'd have the big hunks of meat no, not cut up like steaks or anything like we're used to it'd be just be a big chunk of meat and you just buy the big chunk of meat and so that's why when we used to buy meat we'd always have to either put chili powder or curry powder in it to kill any microorganisms because it's just been sitting out there out in the open with the flies and the bacteria and the dust and the dirt and and you had to be really careful not to get sick um and then you'd go into the vegetable aisles and they'd have, you know, they'd be lined up sitting in front of mounds of uh, all your different vegetables from your yams to your, your carrots and uh, all your your herbs. And it was just wonderful. And lots of this um, like spinach, your green spinach, which we'd get. And, um, it was just a, a really and really good place. And, and I used to love going to markets. It just it would get me on the biggest high because I really felt like I was digging deep into the culture. Just It was just so alive with culture. And I, um, I, I'd always make me feel, yeah, that's right, alive and, and immersed in, in, this, in this life. I felt I was part of it. It was it's just wonderful. The colours, the sounds, the smells, the uh, everything's so exotic to what we're used to in Western culture. It's like a supermarket. I hadn't seen a supermarket. You go into shops in these areas and they'd have, you know, three things on each shelf. That was it. That was it. So God knows what happened when COVID happened. And you know, what's happened with people with strip shelves. They had nothing and that's that's uh what I got used to over the two years I was in Africa, just very sparsely stocked shelves in, in shops. Uh, anyway, I remember one time when I was at Bangui and um, I, it was our turn, I was with a small, another three girls, and it was our turn to do the cooking. And so we had to go to the market. So um, I was given a heap of money in the, you know, the, well, the Central African Republic money, whatever that was. I don't know if it was Franks or whatever. Anyway, and Bangui's still West Africa, so still French speaking. Uh, and we went to the market. So I had this big fistful of money in one hand. Uh, and I just had on a, um, a sarong and a shirt. It was hot. It's, you know, it's the equatorial Africa here. And I was walking through, and I remember going, walking through the markets, and I felt someone's hands going down the side of my body uh, and I spun around but that person was gone um, and you know I was very aware so I was um, you know I knew someone had touched me and, and I'm assuming they went to see if I had pockets uh, and you know I asked the girls if they if that had happened to them one of them said yes that that happened to them. So I walking across and I had on this, besides the sarong, I had on just a short sleeve shirt and in this short sleeve shirt, I had the equivalent of like $5 in my shirt pocket just sitting there uh, in, in the local currency. And we went and we bought, I remember we bought a pineapple. And so in one hand, I had the pineapple and the other hand, I had the fistful of money to buy all the other ingredients. And we were crossing a road 
and just about to get to the other side when a guy appeared out of nowhere, an African, and reached over and put his hand in my pocket where the money was in my shirt pocket up up the top, you know, on my chest. And time just froze. Everything stopped. It was just amazing. Here he is. He's reaching in like this. My first thing I did was my first reaction <laughs> was I had the pineapple in my right hand. So the first thing I did was I raised the pineapple and held the pineapple up. And we just stopped. And it was just it was just like you paused the movie. There's me holding my pineapple up over the head, ready to dong him on the head. Here's him reaching over to his hands in my shirt pocket. And he saw me doing this, the pineapple, and his eye, I saw the white through his eyes, and he froze as well, and nothing happened. And everyone in the um, market just turned and stopped and looked. And uh, the one thing about Africa is they don't accommodate thieves. They don't like thieves, regardless of anything. They don't. And you have to be really, really careful if you call someone a thief, because I have seen it in places. They will actually chase the thief, and they will and possibly there's been moments where they've stoned them to death. So you really, you know, a $5 note is really not worthy of getting someone killed. So I was standing there like that, holding my pineapple. He was there. He was frozen. He was looking at me. He not even really the fistful of money was in my other hand down by my side. And this bus came along and these guys were on it and they saw what was happening. They jumped off and go, hey, 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 and started running towards us. The guy got fright of that and he pulled his hand away, ripped by a shirt pocket at the time, half ripped it off, but he didn't get the money and he took off. And... <laughs> And it was like, it, it all happened in, I, you know, it didn't happen in time at all, but it was like a frozen moment in time. Everything stopped, everyone looked, and it wasn't until the guys from the bus who jumped off the bus and started coming to chase the guy who was attacking me uh, to, to stop him that everything started going again and it, and it went really fast again. And um, again, I... I got out of that without actually losing a cent of money, uh, without having to wreck my pineapple, hitting him over the head, without anything. But it was a another really valuable lesson. And so what did I get out of that lesson? Was, you know, we had been in Bangui for, we were there for three weeks and three weeks we formed habits every single afternoon we went down to the markets with money and buy stuff so people knew what we were going to do when we were traveling normally with the truck we'd only be in the place for one maybe two days maximum unless it was a uh, a, a tourist spot such as the national yankari national park but so we were always moving so people couldn't get an idea of our habits and um, weren't able to make plans but we were here for three weeks so they were able to see what we did and, and accordingly they tried to attack us now the funny thing is after my little pineapple incident we never had that 
problem again. No one got attacked again after that. Um, obviously, we were <laughs> probably lucky that they picked me and uh, I reacted different. I didn't just freeze or didn't just uh, cower. I fought back. And um, I don't think the guy was, was doing it because I remember when we were standing there, he started with his other – he had his hand in my pocket and he started with his other hand and I was thinking, oh, oh, my God, he's going to go and get a, a knife. Oh, no, what am I going to do? But I, I couldn't move. I still had the pineapple, you know, I was brandishing the pineapple aggressively and I couldn't move, but I'm thinking the whole time, oh, he's going for a knife. Oh, And then that's when the, the guys in the in the um, bus came and, and chased him away. I don't know what would happen. I, I think if he brought, if he's brought out a knife, I would have backed off and, and I, you know, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, um, have challenged that but it was quite interesting and, and after that we were never but it also made us much more careful and so when you're traveling you really have to be careful what sort of habits you do to uh, make people aware of your routine and that that's when you tend to be targeted for uh, thievery or something like this and so never create habits now as far as um you know, living life to your fullest and and creating a you know a positive mindset, which I do when I do my life coaching. And one of the biggest things that you suggest as a life coach is you suggest to form positive habits. And now here I am saying, be careful of habits. So, but there are good and there are bad habits. So when you're travelling, you have to be careful about how you show up or, or have routines when you're traveling. So people that are not uh, are not respectful of your privacy and your in your belongings uh, can target you. But and the, but there's also habits that may not be uh, good that you could drop. So for example, I was always very aware of my surroundings, and as I go further on into my stories and I start traveling on my own. I was always aware 360 degrees what was around me and what was happening. So I was the first one to notice that someone had touched my body as I went past and, and immediately uh, that's a no-go zone. Um, something was on. So I had my instinct was already on high from that. Um, and I just learned that that change things up if you if you're in an area for a while then just try and uh, do different things each day so you don't form a typical routine so we should have probably gone to the markets at different times of the day or uh, yeah you know or go to a different area of the market or a different market there probably was more than one market in the in you know it's the capital of Bangi so we could have gone for another market and just do something different but but if we couldn't change it to much more heightened about our security um you know the positive and, and that's that's a habit you can pick up as to be be aware of your surroundings be uh, be aware of who's around you whether it's positive or negative vibes and act accordingly if it's positive vibes that people are welcoming you in such as when i was being welcomed into villages to enjoy their drums now that was positive vibes so i was i was aware of what was around me but i was letting it in because i was got a lot of 
positive and um, friendly vibes. And, and I'm really big into listening to your intuition. So uh, mine is very strong. So I know when something doesn't feel right, I will get out of there. That's it's don't not listen to your intuition. Whereas other times it's um, if it if you feel okay, then and, and most of the time it is okay. Uh, yeah. So basically, you know, watch watch your habits and. Watch what you leave behind. See, you know, people go into hotel rooms, people go into into campsites, people go everywhere. So I always made sure I carried my really important documents. Like I always carried my passport. I never left that behind. And if I did, uh, hopefully no one's watching. If I if I say I went to a place where I was swimming or something like this and you can't carry your passport, what I would do if I was camping, I would dig. I'd put it in a bag and I'd dig a hole under the tent in the ground, a, a little bit under, and I'd bury it there. No one would look under the tent. Yeah, they look in the tent. They don't look under the tent. And that's what I do. And I split up my money that way too and, and hide it in, in either books or shoes or, um, you know, also under the tent. And just uh, I'd always, like cameras, you couldn't do that. So I'd take my cameras with me and always carry them and make sure that it didn't look like a camera bag. Uh, and that way I was able to get through most of the places without being, um, you know, suffering from uh, theft. Oh, yes, I lost the camera in Nigeria, but I left it on a chair. So um, it was my fault. Uh, and yeah, just so just be very aware. And, um, you know, you don't want to not enjoy yourself, but just, just put in those little measures of security and safety and then enjoy your travels while you're doing it. So I hope you got something out of that one. Um, and I look forward to the next episode where we start on our journey and I'll talk again and I'll tell you how that happened. Okay, I'll catch you next time. Bye. Like always, I want to leave you with a thought to consider. What is your environmental and cultural footprint when you travel? How are you showing up to the country? and the culture you are showing up with to make a better interaction for all concerned. Leaving the environment as you found it, reducing your impact on local resources and cultures to come out with such a positive outlook for both the local population and environment and yourself. Okay, please follow my podcast if you're enjoying what you are hearing and share it to others so they too may be inspired. I will catch you next time.